section thirty three of the genius by theodore dreiser this librivox recording is in the public domain book two chapter five the hope of fame what hours of speculation what pulses of enthusiasm what fevers of effort are based on that peculiarly subtle illusion it is yet the lure the ignis fatis of almost every breathing heart in the young particularly it burns with the sweetness and perfume of spring fires then most of all does there seem substantial reality in the shadow of fame those deep beautiful illusions which tremendous figures throw over the world attainable it seems must be the peace and plenty and sweet content of fame that glamour of achievement that never was on sea or land fame partakes of the beauty and the freshness of the morning it has in it the odor of the rose the feel of rich satin the color of the cheeks of youth if we could but be famous when we dream of fame and not when locks are tinged with gray faces seamed with the lines that speak of past struggles and eyes wearied with the tensity the longings and the despair of years to bestride the world in the morning of life to walk amid the plaudits and huzzas when love and faith are young to feel youth and the world's affection when youth and health are sweet what dream is that of pure sunlight and moonlight compounded a sun-kissed breath of the mist in the sky the reflection of moonlight upon water the remembrance of dreams to the waking mind of such is fame in our youth and never afterward by such an illusion was eugene's mind possessed he had no conception of what life would bring him for his efforts he thought if he could have his pictures hung in a fifth avenue gallery much as he had seen bouguereau's venus in chicago with people coming as he had come on that occasion it would be of great comfort and satisfaction to him if he could paint something which would be purchased by the metropolitan museum in new york he would then be somewhat of a classic figure ranking with corot dubinet and rousseau of the french or with turner and watts and millet of the english the leading artistic figures of his pantheon these men seemed to have something which he did not have he thought a greater breadth of technique a finer comprehension of color and character a feeling for the subtleties at the back of life which somehow showed through what they did larger experience larger vision larger feeling these things seemed to be eminent in the great pictures exhibited here and it made him a little uncertain of himself only the criticism in the evening sun fortified him against all thought of failure he was an artist he gathered up the various oils he had done there were some twenty-six all told now scenes of the rivers the streets the night-life and so forth and went over them carefully touching up details which in the beginning he had merely sketched or indicated adding to the force of a spot of color here modifying a tone or shade there and finally after much brooding over the possible result set forth to find a gallery which would give them place and commercial approval eugene's feeling was that they were a little raw and sketchy 
that they might not have sufficient human appeal seeing that they dealt with factory architecture at times scows tugs engines the elevated roads and raw reds yellows and blacks but McHugh, dula smite miss finch christina the evening sun norma whitmore all had praised them or some of them was not the world much more interested in the form and spirit of classic beauty such as that represented by sir john millais would it not prefer rossetti's blessed demoiselle to any street scene ever painted he could never be sure in the very hour of his triumph when the sun had just praised his picture there lurked the specter of possible intrinsic weakness did the world wish this sort of thing would it ever buy of him was he of any real value no artist heart one might have answered of no more value than any other worker of existence and no less the sunlight on the corn the color of dawn in the maid's cheek the moonlight on the water these are of value and of no value according to the soul to whom is the appeal fear not of dreams and the beauty of dreams is the world compounded keller and sons purveyor of artistic treasures by both past and present masters with offices in fifth avenue near twenty-eighth street was the one truly significant firm of art dealers in the city the pictures in the windows of keller and sons the exhibitions in their very exclusive showrooms the general approval which their discriminating taste evoked had attracted the attention of artists and the lay public for fully thirty years eugene had followed their shows with interest ever since he had been in new york he had seen every now and then a most astonishing picture of one school or another displayed in their imposing shop window and had heard artists comment from time to time on other things there with considerable enthusiasm the first important picture of the impressionistic school a heavy spring rain in a grove of silver poplars by winthrop had been shown in the window of this firm fascinating eugene with its technique he had encountered here collections of aubrey beardsley decadent drawings of helleu's silver points of rodin's astonishing sculptors and thelot's solid scandinavian eclecticism this house appeared to have capable artistic connections all over the world for the latest art force in italy spain switzerland or sweden was quite as likely to find its timely expression here as the more accredited work of england germany or france keller and son were art connoisseurs in the best sense of the word and although the german founder of the house had died many years before its management and taste had never deteriorated eugene did not know at this time how very difficult it was to obtain an exhibition under kellner's auspices they being overcrowded with offers of art material and appeals for display from celebrated artists who were quite willing and able to pay for the space and time they occupied a fixed charge was made never deviated from except in rare instances where the talent of the artist his poverty and the advisability of the exhibition were extreme two hundred dollars was considered little enough for the use of one of their showrooms for ten days eugene had no such sum to spare but one day in january without any real knowledge as to what the conditions were 
he carried four of the reproductions which had been made from time to time in truth to the office of mr keller certain that he had something to show miss whitmore had indicated to him that eberhardt zang wanted him to come and see him but he thought if he was going anywhere he would prefer to go to kellner and son he wanted to explain to mr kellner if there was such a person that he had many more paintings which he considered even better more expressive of his growing understanding of american life and of himself and his technique he went in timidly albeit with quite an air for this adventure disturbed him much the american manager of kellner and son monsieur anatole charles was a frenchman by birth and training familiar with the spirit and history of french art and with the drift and tendency of art in various other sections of the world he had been sent here by the home office in berlin not only because of his very thorough training in english art ways and because of his ability to select that type of picture which would attract attention and bring credit and prosperity to the house here and abroad but also because of his ability to make friends among the rich and powerful wherever he was and to sell one type of important picture after another having some knack or magnetic capacity for attracting to him those who cared for good art and were willing to pay for it his specialties of course were the canvases of the eminently successful artist in various parts of the world the living successful he knew by experience what sold here in france in england in germany he was convinced that there was practically nothing of value in american art as yet certainly not from the commercial point of view and very little from the artistic beyond a few canvases by Ines, homer sargent abbey whistler men who were more foreign or rather universal than american in their attitude he considered that the american art spirit was as yet young and raw and crude they do not seem to be grown up as yet over here he said to his intimate friends they paint little things in a forceful way but they do not seem as yet to see things as a whole i miss that sense of the universe in miniature which we find in the canvases of so many of the great europeans they are better illustrators than artists over here why i don't know monsieur anatole charles spoke english almost more than perfectly he was an example of your true man of the world polished dignified immaculately dressed conservative in thought and of few words in expression critics and art enthusiasts were constantly running to him with this and that suggestion in regard to this and that artist but he only lifted his sophisticated eyebrows curled his superior mustachios pulled at his highly artistic goatee and exclaimed ah or so he asserted always that he was most anxious to find talent profitable talent though on occasion and he would demonstrate that by an outward wave of his hands and a shrug of his shoulders the house of kellner and son was not adverse to doing what it could for art and that for art's sake without any thought of profit whatsoever where are your artists he would ask i look and look whistler abbey Ines, sergeant ah they are old where are the new ones 
Well, this one, the critic, would probably persist. Well, well, I go, I shall look, but I have little hope, very, very little hope. He was constantly appearing under such pressure at this studio and that, examining, criticizing. Alas, he selected the work of but few artists for purpose of public exhibition and usually charged them well for it. It was this man, polished, artistically superb in his way, whom Eugene was destined to meet this morning. When he entered the sumptuously furnished office of Monsieur Charles, the latter arose. He was seated at a little rosewood desk lighted by a lamp with green silk shade. One glance told him that Eugene was an artist, very likely of ability, more than likely of a sensitive, high-strung nature. He had long since learned that politeness and savoir-faire cost nothing. It was the first essential so far as the goodwill of an artist was concerned. Eugene's card and message, brought by a uniformed attendant, had indicated the nature of his business. As he approached, Monsieur Charles's raised eyebrows indicated that he would be very pleased to know what he could do for Mr. Whitla. "'I should like to show you several reproductions of pictures of mine,' began Eugene, in his most courageous manner. "'I have been working on a number with a view to making a show, and I thought that possibly you might be interested in looking at them with a view to displaying them for me. I have twenty-six, all told, and—' "'Ah, that is a difficult thing to suggest,' replied Monsieur Charles cautiously. "'We have a great many exhibitions scheduled now, enough to carry us through two years, if we considered nothing more. Obligations to artists, with whom we have dealt in the past, take up a great deal of our time. Contracts, which our Berlin and Paris branches enter into, sometimes crowd out our local shows entirely. Of course, we are always anxious to make interesting exhibitions, if opportunity should permit. You know our charges? No, said Eugene, surprised that there should be any. Two hundred dollars for two weeks. We do not take exhibitions for less than that time. Eugene's countenance fell. He had expected quite a different reception. Nevertheless, since he had brought them, he untied the tape of the portfolio in which the prints were laid. Monsieur Charles looked at them curiously. He was much impressed with the picture of the East Side crowd at first, but looking at one of Fifth Avenue in a snowstorm, the battered, shabby bus pulled by a team of lean, unkept, bony horses, he paused, struck by its force. He liked the delineation of swirling, wind-driven snow, the emptiness of this thoroughfare usually so crowded, the buttoned, huddled, hunched, withdrawn look of those who traveled it, the exceptional details of piles of snow sifted on to window-sills and ledges and into doorways and on the windows of the bus itself attracted his attention. An effective detail, he said to Eugene, as one critic might say to another, pointing to a line of white snow on the window of one side of the bus. Another dash of snow on a man's hat rim took his eye also. I can feel the wind, he added. Eugene smiled. Monsieur Charles passed on in silence to the steaming tug coming up the East River in the dark, hauling two great freight barges. He was saying to himself that, after all, Eugene's art 
was that of merely seizing upon the obviously dramatic it wasn't so much the art of color composition and life analysis as it was stagecraft the man before him had the ability to see the dramatic side of life still he turned to the last reproduction which was that of greeley square in a drizzling rain eugene by some mystery of his art had caught the exact texture of seeping water on gray stones in the glare of various electric lights he had caught the values of various kinds of lights those in cabs those in cable cars those in shop windows those in street lamps relieving by them the dark shadows of the crowds and of the sky the color work here was unmistakably good how large are the originals of these he asked thoughtfully nearly all of them thirty by forty eugene could not tell by his manner whether he was merely curious or interested all of them done in oil i fancy yes all they are not bad i must say he observed cautiously a little persistently dramatic but these reproductions began eugene hoping by criticizing the press-work to interest him in the superior quality of the originals yes i see monsieur charles interrupted knowing full well what was coming they are very bad still they show well enough what the originals are like where's your studio sixty-one washington square as i say went on monsieur charles noting the address on eugene's card the opportunity for exhibition purposes is very limited and our charge is rather high we have so many things we would like to exhibit so many things we must exhibit it is hard to say when the situation would permit if you are interested i might come and see them sometime eugene looked perturbed two hundred dollars two hundred dollars could he afford it it would mean so much to him and yet the man was not at all anxious to rent him the showroom at even this price i will come said monsieur charles seeing his mood if you wish that is what you want me to do we have to be careful of what we exhibit here it isn't as if it were an ordinary showroom i will drop you a card some day when occasion offers if you wish and you can let me know whether the time i suggest is all right i am rather anxious to see these scenes of yours they are very good of their kind it may be one never can tell an opportunity might offer a week or ten days somewhere in between other things eugene sighed inwardly so this was how things were done it wasn't very flattering still he must have an exhibition he could afford two hundred if he had to an exhibition elsewhere would not be so valuable he had expected to make a better impression than this i wish you would come he said at last meditatively i think i should like the space if i can get it i would like to know what you think Monsieur charles raised his eyebrows very well he said i will communicate with you eugene went out what a poor thing this exhibiting business was he thought here he had been dreaming of an exhibition at kellner's which should be brought about without charge to him because they were tremendously impressed with his work now they did not even want his pictures would charge him two hundred dollars to show them it was a great come-down very discouraging still he went home thinking it would do him some good the critics would discuss his work 
just as they did that of other artists. They would have to see what he could do. Should it be that at last this thing which he had dreamed of and so deliberately planned had come true? He had thought of an exhibition at Kellner's as the last joyous thing to be attained in the world of rising art, and now it looked as though he was near it. It might actually be coming to pass. This man wanted to see the rest of his work. He was not opposed to looking at them. What a triumph even that was. End of section 33